Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the PO3 Podcast. My name is Marcus. I go by Marcus Marks. I am a recording engineer and music producer, and I have a mental illness. This is our first podcast here, and we're going to dive into uh, mental illness today, and that is going to be the majority of what we're going to be talking about and um, our main focus as far as what we want uh, our podcast to be to be uh, representing we, we just want to spread a, a mental health awareness, and that's basically uh, what we're going to get into today. And uh, I'm here with uh, my good friend, uh, Victor, and uh, he's going to say a little bit about himself. I'm Victor Jr., and I'm a motivational speaker, author, and my goal here is to give out my own life experiences, completely get naked with whatever my truth is and what I've gone through from my past and suffering through my mental illnesses. I want to make one thing clear. I'm not a licensed clinician. I'm not a doctor, therapist, counselor, anything like that. So anything that I say is not advice. It's just from my own personal experience and what I have gone through. Yeah, uh, me either. I, I, I just want to, uh, for the record, I'm not a licensed therapist, psychiatrist, any of that. Uh, everything that we do and are speaking on are just based off personal experiences. And we're not directly telling you that you have to take our advice. We're just, uh, you know, voicing our opinions on uh, personal experiences. And, you know, we're just basically using this outlet to vent. And telling our stories. Yeah, we just want to tell our stories and what we've gone through and our experiences suffering through mental illness and where it's gotten us today. Yeah, exactly. So um, um, just a little bit getting into it more about the whole podcast and what our idea of it is going to be is a... Uh, yeah, we want it to be about mental illness, but that's not going to be all that we're talking about. That's going to be one of our main focuses and uh, the message that we're generally trying to spread. But uh, at a certain point uh, during, you know, uh, different episodes, we're going to dive in on to uh, just general things, you know, just general life experiences. Life experiences from people who have mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything. I mean, there's really, there's really no... Uh, there's really... There's really no box for us to be in. There's there's no boundaries, in other words. So, uh, yeah, we're going to dive right into it. I hope you enjoy. So, a little bit about what we're going to get into and maybe the premise of this podcast would be is, at least for me, and I know for you, since we relate a lot when it comes to that, is uh, mental awareness and mental health. Mental health awareness and mental illness. Yeah. So, basically... All the stuff that he just mentioned is uh, stuff that he's gone through personally, and he's trying to he's trying to basically get to a point where he started at rock bottom and work his way all the way back up to uh, a level of health that he's never been to before, and he wants to relay that to you know uh, the masses and help people out any way he can. So that's that's basically what uh, the whole goal of this podcast is: is to just reach anybody, anybody that we can, and myself as well. I struggle with the same thing. And uh, it's been a journey. So him and I have been shooting the shit for a while. Just, you know, I would come over here to my cousin's house. And uh, me and him would just always uh, be in deep conversations about things. And uh, same thing with Victor. Me and him would always get into some crazy conversations. And we thought, why not just uh, record it and, you know, see where it goes. See what we could come up with. Yeah. So uh, I haven't seen you today. So how you feeling? I know you, you were uh, kind of sick, so... Yeah, I was sick. For it was just a cold, right? It wasn't. It wasn't like, uh, like, uh, like body aches or anything like that. It was just like a, a little cold. Yeah, nothing throat, crazy. Nose, allergies. 
Yeah, yeah. So a little bit more about, I would start out from when I was younger. Uh-huh. I suffered a lot from schizophrenia without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Parents ignored it. Uh, just kept growing up and just thinking that it was my own personal voices. I have, I have a question too. So like when you, uh, when it actually, when it initially started, obviously you got to get diagnosed to realize that you are schizophrenic. When, what age... Did you uh, start realizing that maybe something was wrong? Until about five years ago, I was about 38. So late into your life, you yes. uh, you noticed that something wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't right. It's okay. This yeah. cat's right here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so once you realize that, what are some of the details that maybe you can describe that like things that were going on in your head that kind of threw you off a little bit? Well, to go even further back than that, it. That was my cause for starting to do methamphetamine, okay. other drugs, uh, alcohol, stuff like that. And I didn't really think that I had anything wrong with me. I just uh-huh. thought that it was just my own mind. Uh, I honestly started to think that I had guardian angels by me. And then, of course, there was always this one demon that was trying to tell me to hang myself that I wasn't good enough. So, so you were like literally hearing voices inside oh, yeah. your head that was that were telling you these things, but you were, it was always normal though because it was just something that would happen on a day-to-day basis, so you didn't really think anything of it. That's correct. And sometimes I would see like shadows or something like walking so, by. So like hallucinations as well Hallucinations, too. yes. That that's, was pr- the, that's pretty intense. And and especially, well, I mean, I don't know, prior to that, have you, have you ever done like a... Like any types of psychedelics or anything like that? No. No, so that was a brand new thing to you. So it's not like you recognized it from somewhere else. It just kind of came out of the blue. It just came out of the blue, especially when I was little. I would hear it and I would just think like, at first I was actually thinking that there were ghosts and I would see things. And growing up, now that I look back and look back throughout all those years and all those major situations that happened or stuff that I would see it and now it makes sense and now that it's under control and I'm actually medicated and I'm taking the medications daily I cannot stop taking them so before we jump like too far ahead to the point of uh, where you actually got on medication so you started realizing that there was these voices and you started hearing all these voices and stuff yeah. would it freak you out or anything Nope. Or would it like would it like scare you? Just one voice. Because I, I know for me, if I started hearing things that I wouldn't, at least if I wasn't used to hearing anything, and something started, you know, maybe from the back of my head started telling me these negative things, I I would probably uh, I'd probably be fearful of it. Well, because it's it's like an audible hallucination in a way. Yeah, that's and basically what it is, right? It was actually like as if not. Because I know I could distinguish my own voice in my own head. That's what I was going to say, too. So it was like, you know how when you have, like, a regular thought and you're just, you're thinking to yourself, say, say you're, you know, you're out shopping, whatever, you see a shirt, you don't like it. In your head, you're like, I don't really like that shirt. But yeah. you're not going to voice it out loud. No. That's but my own voice in my own head. You're able to discern that voice from this one. Yes. So so, so when that voice did come on, it, w- it was like a real distinct type yes. of voice. It was like somebody and, was standing right behind me or so, right next to me. But nobody was in the room. Nobody's in the room. So that didn't scare you? How no. come How come that didn't scare you? It, I guess it didn't scare me because I've been hearing it since I was little. So, like, for an example, like you said, if I'm in the store and I see a shirt that I don't like, 
or that I like and I'm wondering if it's going to look good on me or not, then I would say my own voice would say, oh, that's a nice shirt. You know, I wonder if it's going to look good on me. And then Jones, which is beautiful, positive voice that would hear, would turn around and tell so me, you oh, have no, that looked great. Names for them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jones, Jeremy. Jeremy was the really bad one. He was the one always telling me to kill myself, commit suicide, hang myself. I didn't be long here. Okay, so, so you, you did hear them when you were a kid? Oh, yes. Around what age? From when I could remember. Shoot, I was probably six or seven. Okay. So, so what? since you did hear them your whole life, what made you uh, realize that something was wrong when you were 38, you said, right? So what what from that point to when you were little to 38 changed that made you be like, okay, this is probably not normal. Oh, so you didn't know <laughs> that anything was really... You had no even an idea that maybe something might be wrong. No. So you were just your whole life just going throughout your day, talking to yourself and interacting with these voices in your head and not realizing that this is probably not something that everybody deals with. Well, actually, I, I did when I was a teenager. I started to realize that that's not something that everybody goes through. At first, I did think that every single person would probably hear different voices, aside from their own voice. I just thought it was normal until... Because that's what you grew up with your whole life. You, you didn't know any different. Yeah. So it, it just became the norm for you. Definitely. See, that's, that's the dangerous part, I think, with, with stuff as far as like mental illness goes, because you, you're deal with it, you deal with it so long that it gets to a point where it's just, yeah, it's just your norm. It's norm. So your, your behavior is already locked in. And to you, it's just something that you wouldn't think anything of. I mean, why would you go see help, seek help for something that has just been, I guess, working for you, I guess, in a way, your whole life? You know Part what I mean? working for me. Not, Except for Jeremy. <laughs> not maybe in a positive way, but that's just how you live your life. You know yes, I mean? yes. Yeah. And I always had two positive voices, which is Sammy uh-huh. and, and Jones. Those were my two positive voices that I would hear constantly. So you're growing up, you start hearing these voices around seven years old, and then uh, throughout the years, maybe 38. What, what, okay, what, what happened when you were 38 that made you uh, seek help? Well, I was involved with my ex, and friends of theirs, they kind of took advantage of what I was doing and I was deeply on methamphetamine. I was actually injecting methamphetamine and it wouldn't really calm the voices. I would hear it maybe a little more faint than usual, but I would see more hallucinations. <clears throat> and then finally we got into a big fight. I was hospitalized and I had seizures in the hospital got out of the hospital, checked myself into rehab. There in rehab, the voices started to come on stronger because I was getting off drugs and... So so the drugs were like temporarily alleviating the, the voices a little bit, maybe silencing them a little bit, silencing, muffling them? Yeah, muffling maybe them. Maybe it would muffle them in a way. And then when, when you but started to... But the hallucinations to, got worse. So when you started to sober up, they came back like yes. tenfold. Oh, yeah. Like, like much worse. Oh, yeah. No, not worse. They just came back to their normal voices. Okay. And then it was the, you know, Jeremy, hey, you got, you should hang yourself. And, you know, I was going through so much that Jeremy would, and Jones actually, and Sammy would, 
those voices were like, you know, be careful, watch out for white cars, it's the government. They're going to seek you out. They're going to, you know, they're always recording you. Um, the TV's recording you. Everything's recording you through the radio. So I was always paranoid, especially of white cars. Paranoid of that, paranoid of people that were around me. I was on a special mission in life to, you know, rid the world of negativity and and just bring full love and, and show people how love could be. And then I had... Jeremy in the background. You're not worth it. You should die. You need to kill yourself. And then Jones would jump in and say, no, don't listen to him. He's a demon. You just have to keep on. If if you allow him to get to you and you do that, then you're going to go and burn in hell forever. So, so you're you would an just angel. Be, you would just be sitting there on the couch like we are now, tr- just chilling out. And maybe you have a positive thought, right, from your own thought. Like, hey, um, all right, uh, I want to get out there today. Maybe... Say something positive to somebody, you know, maybe, maybe give somebody a compliment to, you know, change the energy, Go you, help know, people. Maybe, you know, just do a, a in, you know, something like that. And then in the midst of that thought, these guys would just start talking to each other. No, they would talk to me. They would talk to you. Yeah. Well, Jones and Jeremy, they never talked to each other, but Jones and Sammy did. So out of the blue though, you're just thinking to yourself. And then, like I said, having these thoughts well, and then from nowhere, they would just, they would give their input. Yes. That's that's interesting. So my, my thing is like, it's almost as if those thoughts or who those voices have their own individual thoughts. Yeah, they were. It's like having another set of brains with their own consciousness inside of your head. So do, do you think that maybe uh, those voices were your subconscious or do you think that it was just completely like out of nowhere? No, completely out of nowhere, they were their own individual beings in another sense. Like if they were actual spirits standing next to me or behind me. So I didn't think of it as my own subconscious or a voice that was coming from my own head. It felt like and sounded like it was outside of my head as if not even whispering in my ears, but just talking normally. My thing is just like, we have our own thoughts, right? I mean, we... we it's hard to really understand or even wrap your head around how a thought even works or how it comes to uh, comes to life because you have your own thoughts you know you you can um, you can weigh the uh, you know what am I trying to say here like weigh the difference or weigh, weigh the differences I mean it's like oh it's like a free will though mm-hmm. type of thing in your in your head when you're thinking about something you 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 say um, what goes and what doesn't so it's like that comes from you though Yes. You know what I mean? That that's that's from yourself. What what I'm what I'm trying to ask you is like, do you think that um, those voices, the negative things that they were saying, were maybe coming from yourself, but manifesting themselves as those voices? It's possible. Or um, is it? Could it be as crazy as they really had their own thoughts and they were just telling you shit? Because whatever reason, I don't know. For me, I couldn't even even if they were talking to me, I couldn't think about what they were thinking basically so it so was you like, couldn't control what they were saying no, to you. it's like you and i are talking so it would basically be like if it was somebody else yes that you couldn't control their thoughts it, it's like you and i are talking and i don't know what you're going to say next and that's how it was hearing them and you know we have our normal everyday chatter in our head that i knew and i dealt with that everybody has that you have the chatter of i'm not good enough and your own self-doubts or i am good enough and your own confidence 
Now that was my norm, but the well, I I would call them spirits. Those were just their own voices, their own sayings. I don't know what they would say next, or how if they were even going to speak next, or when they were going to speak to me. I can see how it would be like a spiritual thing, though, like how how you would uh, experience it as something that can be described as spiritual, because that that's something that. Uh, I'm sure you would physically feel like chills from something that was negatively said to you by those voices. Well, there was also situations in my life that happened. For example, I'll give you this example. <clears throat> uh, two months before September 11th, I had a dream that... And I had a, a cruise planned for September 15th. And I had a dream... 2001? That, 2001. Okay. And I had a dream that I saw... See, so downtown San Jose, where I lived, there's two buildings that were adobe buildings, and they're twin buildings. So in my dream, I was driving down the freeway, and I seen an aircraft fly into one of the adobe buildings, and then another aircraft fly into the other adobe building, which were twin buildings. Was it a hallucination? No, it was a dream. Oh, it was a dream. I had a dream, yes. And then... That same dream, I saw a, a United, I remember seeing United Airlines just crash directly into the ground, like go into the earth. And so I told everybody about it, all my family. I even told my grandmother, I said, if, if, if my flights are United Airlines, I'm not going to get on that plane because I'm afraid something's going to happen. Where were you guys flying to? Uh, to L.A. Okay. Yeah, because, or the, yeah, L.A. because the cruise was going to go out of Long Beach. So... You know, that was in July, August. I'm not sure which month, but I told my grandmother about it. And the day of September 11th, my grandmother, the, I was asleep. The phone rang and my grandmother, I answered the phone and she said, turn on the TV. Your dream is happening. And so I turned on the TV and I was like, holy shit. It's really happening. So... I was thinking, okay, so maybe those are spirits in my, you know, that are, mm -hmm. so that's, because that, that's what like they would that. call a prophetic dream. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm psychic. Uh huh. So, so now <laughs> aside the voices in your head, then you have an incident like that happen, which kind of exactly tips the scales even more and, and kind of, and, and, and kind of puts your head in a, in a space where now you really don't know what to think because. Now you got all these questions. Am I fucking psychic now? <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know what? It gave me more confidence in the voices. Like they really weren't mine. So, were so it, it kind of just solidified what they were telling exactly. you. Exactly. So there's... Especially Jones oh, and Sammy. That's dangerous. Uh, because a question I was going to ask you too was, did you ever uh, give in to those voices and actually act on them and listen to them? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Especially Jones and Sammy. I always listened to them. They said that I was on a special mission, that I was sent from God. And um, I, was a, I was an angel here on earth. And so I believed I was an angel here on earth. Thank, and thank God you were already like a naturally humble person. Because anybody else with maybe like a different ego than yours would have probably, you know what I mean? How, yeah. how <laughs> those thoughts in the, in, the, in the hands of somebody else with an ego who can't control themselves yeah. could affect somebody. Oh, yeah. So, and then so, you hurt people too. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, so... That would affect everybody else differently. Perfect. Somebody might hear that stuff and be like, you know what? Yeah, I am. I am this shit. You know what? I'm going to be this this bully. 
You know what I mean? Just so now you're walking around with this complex because of these voices well, in your head. There was a time that I did. So that can, that can I, really I nobody you. can touch me. So you felt uh, like impervious to everything. Yes, and I believe that you know I was always going to be protected by God because I was an angel. So God's always going to protect me. Nothing bad could ever happen to me. I've had accidents and I walked out. You know, like nothing ever happened. So I took advantage of that, and I it was more confirmation for me. Not realizing that it's just normal everyday life, which now I do realize. I mean, a little too late, but now I do realize that. The number one thing is Jeremy, when he's always telling me to kill yourself, or even those times where you tell me, you know, kill other people. Have there been times where uh, they've told you that? Were you uh, considered, like, you know, killing yourself? Something oh, yeah. like that? I attempted suicide. Yeah. And that, that was specifically because of these voices or was it a combination of you were already maybe depressed or you were going through uh, just just uh, just just one of those periods in your life where maybe things weren't going your way. And then on top of that, these voices were telling you. It was that it was everything added up. And also my voices at that time that I attempted suicide were telling me to go and kill somebody. Yeah. So and I didn't want to do that because I figured if I'm going to kill somebody, I'm going to probably go to hell. So I'd rather kill myself. You know, I'd rather be not selfish. And there was a uh, situation that happened years ago that there's this guy who kept saying that he wanted to kill people. He had these voices in his head that were telling him to kill people. And I had told him, I said, I'd rather kill myself than kill anybody else. Few months later, he ended up shooting himself. He left a letter that, in his letter, he wrote, "I've been wanting to kill people, but instead of harming other people, I just went ahead and did, wanted to do this to myself to save others." And it's like, that's. It's unfortunate that they had very to come unfortunate. Down to that. I mean, now, th- thankfully, nothing happened as far as like maybe a mass shooting goes. Thank God, but it's unfortunate that it, it came down to those two choices. But you know what? I didn't think of it. Like that, at that time, you mm-hmm. know what I thought about was, okay, I'm glad he did what he did because he didn't listen to his voices because I was still believing in my own voices. So that that's how, that <sighs> just goes to show how deep you were into this thing. Oh yeah, and not just me, a lot of people out there. Yeah, and it, I was going to say that as well. Is It's not just you. It's a lot of, I don't know what the percentages are, if you know the numbers of what percentage of uh Americans, you can yeah, you can look it up on Google. Are schizophrenic, are dealing with it, and are actually seeking help. Oh yeah, to to get better. Thousands of people. I mean, look at everything that's happening. There's mass shooting like almost every month. See, this is a this is a big reason why we uh, are so interested in this type of uh, this type of thing, uh, mental illness and uh, awareness, is because. There's so many people that are running around with this stuff in their head on the daily. And there's, especially at this, this time right now, I think things have been, like, going downhill. You know what I mean? A lot. Oh, you unplugged it? I think so. Things have been going, like, uh, can you hear? Can you hear it or no? No. No? Jackson, what did you do? Oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah, especially like uh, right now, I feel like it's so important to uh, to make sure that you know your loved ones or the people around you are in a healthy state of mind. Because you look at, especially with like uh, social media and all that stuff, everything's so easily 
uh, at, at the, you know, the tip of your, your fingers, you can just go on and you can kind of dive into anybody's life. And a lot of people have self-esteem issues because of that. Well, think about this. Before social media, I would hear my voices, especially Jeremy would tell me, see what they have. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Imagine now the people who are suffering with schizophrenia that are seeing what other people have or pretend that they have on social media and those voices in their own heads, what are they hearing that they're not good enough? They're not, you know, or even to go out and get rid of those people because those people aren't worthy of what they have or they were spoon fed. So it's like on top of that, there's, there's probably a lot of people, and this is just schizophrenia. There, there are a lot of other mental illnesses that people deal with as well. So you think about all that and you, the U.S., there's, there's a lot of people. There's 2.4 million diagnosed people in the U.S. In the U.S. alone. That's, that's just, just alone. And that's diagnosed. And, and uh, I, I don't, I don't want to like get off topic here, but like at least for me, I feel like most of what we do is kind of an energy thing. You know what I mean? You, when, you, when you go to somebody's house and, and you can tell that they're having a bad day without them even saying anything, it's almost like you walk in and you can feel the negativity oh, yeah. from radiating from that person. You know what I mean? And it affects the rest of your day. So if that's true, you know, and everything is like an energy like that, that means that all that negative energy coming from these people with mental illnesses are like illuminating into the world. Like that, that, that is, it's like a ripple effect. You know what I mean? And I feel like on maybe some level, it is affecting a further people's mental health. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a secondhand smoke of like mental kinda, health. Yeah. You know what I mean? The number one thing though, I believe is what I could really focus on is the battle that I had within myself. Mm-hmm. The battle from the positive voices, the negative voices, and then my own battle within my own head, my own voice. So it's a constant war and it's a constant struggle. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to commit suicide. It's because I was tired of that mental struggle. I was exhausted mentally. Every day was just like, all right, here we go. You already knew what you were going to expect from the day. You're going to get up and you're going to try and resist the, the thought of not being here anymore. Even, and it just got exhausting. There's a point where you just want to give in. Everyone has their breaking point. Even to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and then somebody's standing right next to you saying something. Yeah, see, because there's a lot of people that uh, maybe have never dealt with depression or anything like that for whatever reason. I mean, some people just don't go through it and they can't really fathom the idea of when you are that severely depressed and you're in that type of uh, state of mind, it really is hard for you just to get up and do those little things around the house. I mean, going to the store was like this huge feat, at least for me, you know what I mean, that was something of an accomplishment, you know what I mean? Just let alone getting out of my bed to go brush my teeth, take a shower, make something to eat, or even watch TV, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff was 10 times harder than it should be, you know what I mean? There was like this huge weight that's like holding you down, you know what I mean? And preventing you from like doing all that stuff. And it's unfortunate that there's so many people out there that are going through this every day. And going back to what I was saying is that people that don't deal with that, they, like I said, they can't wrap their heads around no. it. So, so their initial response is usually, oh man, just suck it up. You know what I mean? Suck it up. Just, yeah. just get up and do it. Once you get up, you'll feel better. But they don't realize that once you're in that state, once you get up, it's still, it's still there. Don't still there. Up. And not to go against any psychologist or anything like that. Psychologists are awesome to talk to. However, 
if nobody's really walked in your shoes and experienced that experience themselves, it's hard for them to fathom. It's hard. I, I could say that from my own personal experience. And now being medicated where everything's more controlled, I still once in a great while will see something. Last night, basically, I, I thought I saw something in my room. And, and it's a... Uh... It's not, I'm not trying to say that, yeah, these people will never understand how it is. And I would never wish that on anybody. I don't, I won't, I don't necessarily want them to know what it's like to be in my shoes. Of course not. But I want them to understand it. That way they don't brush people off who are going through that type of uh, battle and are trying to get better. You know what I mean? Because if, if they don't understand it, feeling it is one thing, but if they don't understand it, it's gonna. It, that's why it has, there's such a stigma around uh, mental illness. Major stigma. And look at all these homeless people. A lot of them is because they're not medicated. They're they try to medicate themselves in other ways by drug abuse. Uh, they either alcohol, methamphetamine, heroin, whatever it is. They are finding other ways just to separate themselves from the world. And using those things to kind of numb. They just want to alleviate the pain a little yeah. bit in anything, and and sometimes it's just easier to pick up the the bottle or the needle or whatever, wherever it is. Sometimes, and then too, on top of it, a lot of these people, it's just easier flat out to just be homeless because on top of your mental illness, now you got to deal with the the daily uh, the daily responsibilities of paying your bills, getting up on time to go to work, making sure you're behaving, make sure that you're not saying this or that because you don't want to get fired from your job. A lot of that adds stress to the, the mental state that you're already in. And a lot of people don't even want to deal with this. So it's like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be a part of society. I'm that, just going to go over here with these other people who are doing the same thing. And we're just not going to have any responsibilities. And that's a key point that you just said that behaving while you're at work. That's the hardest thing to ever do is because if you're at work and you're doing something and you're being productive and then boom, you have this voice just talking mad shit or even if it's not, even if it's telling you something positive, it's still a distraction. It's still the distraction is there and you're hearing this other voice, especially I used to work for a call center. Oh God, you know how hard that was? That's, that's like the last thing you want to oh be doing with is having God. to put on an act when somebody's calling you. And uh, you're, you're supposed to pretend like you're this other person who has all the answers. <laughs> I've said, I, I've, I've gone off conversation so many times working in a call center to where some people would be like, uh, excuse me, were you, are you talking to me or somebody else? Yeah, yeah. And then I'd get embarrassed. And then I'd look over my shoulder, look around, I'm like, God, you know, and sometimes I'd say like, please fucking leave me alone already. And that's. It's a struggle. And, and that's another thing, too. I mean, my, yeah, see, myself, I deal uh, with the same exact thing. And that's why I'm sure a lot of people could relate to uh, being fired or laid off or always getting into uh, altercations with people in the workplace. Myself, I struggle with uh, bipolar, depression, uh, you name it, ADD, OCD, PTSD, all that stuff wrapped up in one. And uh, trying trying to keep that under wraps in the workplace, especially somewhere like retail or something like that is almost for me at least is something that I just couldn't I couldn't uh I couldn't maintain that eventually I, I reached my boiling point and I've been there's been so many incidents where I'd be at work and not even knowing why or what was going on but just dealing with all that stuff I would be just be on edge all the time you know what I mean you're dealing with your own shit and then everybody else's as well 
Because everybody else is coming at you with their own problems. And so you have a whole bunch to deal with. And it makes it even hard. That's why there's so many people who lose their jobs or are on disability. Yeah. Because of situations like that. It's hard and people don't understand. Yeah. And there's been a... Dude, there was times where I've been at work and I just... I so didn't want to be there to the point where like it's, it's... There's customers like all around. I used to work at Lowe's. And you have this bright red vest on, and it just says, hey, you know, um, come bother me. <laughs> like, if they need anything, they'll come ask you. Like, the most common question you get is, do you work here? And when you're in this state of mind, that's, like, the last shit you want to hear. You don't, you, don't, you don't have the energy for dumb questions. You know what I mean? So there's been plenty of times where I'd be at work, and I would literally go find, like, a corner and, like, because it's a huge warehouse. You know what I mean? They have, like, a garden section. And uh, on the outside, that's where I was. I, no, I would literally <laughs> go find a spot. Where I can just hide in the corner and like literally like be away from everybody until I heard like my name paged over the, the intercom or something like that. Because I just did not want to interact with people. Like the thought of just seeing them was like sickening to me. Like it gave me anxiety. So on top of that, I would like I would go hide in the restroom and stuff and take like an hour break in there. And then my boss would give me shit like, dude, what are you doing in the bathroom for an hour? And a lot of it was just me not wanting to, you know be face-to-face with anybody. And that leads to eventually calling into work and then, you know, just so on. The dominoes go, they just fall from it's there. And eventually you get laid off or you get into it with somebody or you get fired. And you get fired. Or, well, think about hiding in the corner and then hearing voices. Yeah. Yeah, see, for me, <laughs> since I, I mean, I only have bipolar. Um, not just bipolar, but it's just like, I don't, I didn't have to deal with, you know, hearing these negative voices. All the negative voices were my own. You know, that was me talking shit to myself. But you were hearing something from an external source almost you know what i mean inside of your head which is I, I i don't know i could never experience that and I, I don't i wouldn't want to but i can only imagine all the people that uh that don't seek help for that type of thing how how mentally unstable they are people are afraid to seek help because of the stigma <sighs> yeah i, they I don't was, want to be classified as somebody with schizophrenia or even bipolar nobody wants to be classified as that because people look at Anyone who is with any type of mental illness as that stigma of, oh my God, they're dangerous. Yeah, see me, I'm, I'm about to turn 30. And I got diagnosed when I was like, I want to say like 14 or 15, a long time ago. I've been diagnosed on three separate occasions for the same exact thing. So each psychiatrist knew or a psychologist knew exactly what they were looking at when I would go and distri- describe my symptoms to them. Even my parents would go in. And I described to them what was going on with me. And it wasn't up until three years ago, maybe, that I actually decided to actively do something about it. So I've just been living my life from through my adolescence all the way up to my my late 20s and just completely unmedicated and, and un... I just, I never got help for it because I was, I was uh, not, not afraid. At least not in the beginning, I wasn't afraid because I had no idea what was going on. But when I finally realized that there was something wrong, I was afraid to talk about it with anybody. Well, yeah, you're dealing with it and you don't want to... Basically, first of all, you don't want anybody else to know because of the stigma, of course. And then you don't want to push your problems on to anybody else either. Yeah, see, I didn't want to bother anybody with my shit That's because right. as as a man, too, you have you already have this, this thing of like, bro, just suck it up. Yep. Just suck it up. At least that's my dad. Especially Latinos. Oh, just, yeah, there's like this machismo thing that, that, that comes with uh, 
being a man, you know, especially in the, the Latin the Latin heritage. It's like, dude, just, just sweep it under the rug for now and just keep going forward. And Tough it up. As, as much as you try to do that, and I try to do that for a good amount of time, it just eventually comes to an end and you just can't hold on anymore. Yeah, and that's why people snap. They either oh, hurt man, somebody don't else don't even give me, hurt themselves. That. And that's the problem. And that's the thing. And what people need to have is more compassion. They need to end the stigma, reach out to these people, make it more comfortable for people to come forward, either get medicated, seek psychiatric help, counseling, whatever it is, so that they could get off drugs, get on the right medication, and start taking control of their life. Yeah, because how many times were you on borderline about to snap and nobody... How, how, how much do you think the, that outcome would have changed if somebody maybe would have just reached out or you did have a support group of people that kind of knew what you were going through and uh, would check up on you on maybe like a daily basis? How, how, how much different would it be from that to having nobody? I think it would make like a significant difference. It would have made a big difference and I probably wouldn't have committed a lot of the wrongdoings that I've done in the past to myself and, you know, stealing from people or hurting people, whatever it is, it, it would have prevented a lot of bad stuff and negativity from happening. But going forward, now that I know and now that I'm, I'm getting help for it, I know that that's not who I am. Yeah. I've changed. I'm different. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. That's the reason why we're speaking out, coming forward for those who need this help and or somebody who could see the signs in someone else. Yeah, that's that's huge because I don't think people realize how much it actually affects somebody who's in a deep, dark place, who's who's feeling lonely and has feels like they have nowhere to go. I don't think they understand how big of an impact that just sending a simple text will how far that'll actually yeah. go like that'll 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 make someone's day right there at even least for if, me even if somebody commits suicide they still say oh they're selfish they don't know what they're going through yeah. in their head they don't know what's going on they're sometimes yeah there's a breaking point there's there's a breaking point and that's that's the breaking point that needs to be prevented someone else getting hurt or you hurting yourself and that's, that's like, yeah, that's kind of the whole idea of this thing is uh, if you do, like you were saying earlier, if you do recognize it in somebody, don't, don't be so quick to like brush it off. Don't, a lot of people, I feel like they just, they, they feel, they see something wrong with somebody, especially that they know, you know what I mean? This is not even to say someone they don't know. They're, they're never going to say anything to somebody they don't know, ask them how they're doing. Of course not. If they're, if they're not asking the people that are closest to them how they're doing. That's right. You know what I mean? So if you, I mean, if you do recognize that in somebody I, I i advise to to reach out at least first of all have compassion and do some research yeah find out what it is and talk to them don't straight out tell them hey are you schizophrenic or is there something wrong with you are you feeling bipolar or or i know you're bipolar because the way you're acting no yeah. that's wrong you don't do that you start talking to ask them to lunch it. dude just something yeah. simple it's like hey do you want to go get a lunch you know maybe get something to have eat a together normal conversation and, and and look out for the signs and turn around and Counsel them yourself, basically, and reach out to them and tell them, look, I'm always here for you if you ever have any problems. You have to have yourself, keep yourself open for them to come to you. Yeah. Because it's hard for us to recognize, or like I said, it was normal to me. I didn't think nothing was wrong until I you know, was 18, 19 years old when I would talk to some people and say, hey, you know, don't you hear this 
this other voice in your head that sounds like a female or a different guy? And I'm like, no. So, okay, so <laughs> you're 38, and that's when you started realizing and, uh, that something was wrong. You started getting into drugs. Oh, no, um, I've been in drugs since I was 18 all the way till I was 38. Okay, so you hit your breaking point at 38. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing you did to uh, try and get better? First thing was I was having seizures and okay you mentioned you were hospitalized yeah you're already hospitalized. hospitalized yeah and then i got out of the hospital was having seizures i was in rehab i had a seizure in rehab seizures were from what they said it was from drugs so the withdrawals from, maybe probably the withdrawals i was um injecting methamphetamine okay. at that time for a long period of time oh yeah i was injecting i was i went from snorting smoking to injecting i was injecting for about three years and then, so it probably it most likely was withdrawals. So yeah. you're having you're having myself. My skin was gray. I was skinny as hell. Lost a lot of weight. Oh yeah, lost. So and, not and I lost a lot of loving people who loved me. Which is unfortunate too, because yeah. when when you're going through that type of stuff, it's just like a natural. Uh, it's just a natural occurrence, and occurrence is uh, people don't want to deal with their shit anymore. And the crazy so you part, start pushing people away. The crazy part is towards that end time, well, I call it the end time, was for me, I was hitting the drugs harder, doing more, and the voices got stronger. I was more of, of I just thought that I was something different. I was basically a superhuman, an angel here on earth that was going to save the world and rid the world of evil. And I was even thinking about going out to kill evil people, not realizing that that would be an evil thing for myself to do. And I even thought to myself, you know, like what? a vigilante type of thing. Yeah, and I just thought to myself, and then especially watching Dexter, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. aside the uh, the cinematic influences. And, yeah, and all that, that, was, that other shit. <laughs> that was horrible. But when you were basically really, a ticking time bomb. That's right, and then. Boom, everything happened. All that experience happened. I mean, it was bad. I was hospitalized. I literally almost lost my life. And I told myself, if you don't get the help that you need right now, that's it. You're done. You're, you're The rest of your life, I'm either going to be in prison. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to kill other people. Something bad is going to happen. I just, I everything just imploded on me. And that was the greatest time of my life. And well, it was March cause, of 2014. Because it was an epiphany. You yeah. finally reached a point where you had you saw a moment of clarity. Yes. For the and, first time. And I saw that I was looking back at, the, at my life and looking at everything that I've done, all the wrong and, and all, even all the right and the, losing the people that I really love the most. You know, I lost an awesome, amazing relationship that I was in for like 15 years. I lost that because of myself and my drug use and then my own internal battle. And then coming out of that, now moving forward, I hear people sometimes say, well, quit focusing on the past. I'm not focusing on the past. I'm looking back at the past as a stepping stone for my future. And that's what people need to realize is going forward, you could always look back just don't stay parked there. Yeah. Because doing the drugs and continuing to do what I was doing and believing the voices and believing that there's agents after me and, 
you know, I'm here on a special mission, all that stuff is just a stepping stone for where I'm at today. And now I'm more focused. My mind's more focused in. If I do hear a voice, which every now and then I will hear that, I know that it's not the truth. It's just it's my just, sickness. It's a, man, a manifestation of, of my something sickness. Else. And I embrace it now. It's who I am. Do you, it's who I have always been. It's always been something that's been in my life. And you know what? It, I could breathe easier because I embrace that that is who I am. And I accept that. And I can move forward and know that I control my own life. The voices that I've heard, everything else does not. They don't, they don't dictate you. That's right. And that's the thing that, that's my mission going forward now. My new mission in life is to help others that are suffering with the same, same outcome. There's millions of people, as the stats say, in the U.S. And that's just 2.4 million. That's just the diagnosed people. Imagine all those people that go undiagnosed, that are afraid to come forward, that don't want to go see the doctor, or that are just out there homeless. I mean, we see homeless people here in Fresno, everywhere. Yeah. You know, and they walk down the street talking to who got God knows who, those voices that they have. We're in a, we're based in Fresno, California. For those, I mean, for the people, I mean, if we ever get any listeners, for the ones who are curious, <laughs> we're in Fresno, California, and uh, there's this Vice documentary that they did on YouTube. Vice is a pretty big uh, YouTube channel, and uh they're actually on TV too as well, but they did a, a documentary. Did you see it on uh, the meth epidemic that was going on yeah. in Fresno? I don't want to. I don't want to uh, misquote, but I think it's the. Uh, this is the biggest uh, meth capital in the world. Yeah, it says something like that in the U.S. At least. I think they have a website too, Vice. Yeah. And all of that is obviously due to, uh, you know, drug addiction, but that usually derives from mental illness. You know, be people being mental ill, mentally ill, and then eventually uh, seeking you know alleviation through drugs. And for whatever reason, this area that we're in here, uh, Fresno, it hit everyone pretty hard. Cause it was the meth epidemic on uh, Vice.com. It's the crystal meth epidemic plaguing Fresno. I th- I think somewhere too there was a stat that said uh, it was the biggest one in the United States. So. For, yeah, for, so if you want to check it out, it's a crystal meth epidemic plaguing Fresno. You can just go on YouTube and they have the documentary on there. I don't know if they have it on Netflix or anything like that, but so now now you're trying to move forward and you uh, you're trying to get better. You're having these seizures uh, when you're released from the hospital. Um, at one point, did you um, return? Uh, did you go back to the hospital or did you go to like a rehab or something like that? I went to rehab. I was in rehab for about four months, got all my chips. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then after leaving rehab, I went on to disability and just started to focus in more on myself and on my own life and taking control of, I can say, the life that I never lived before because mm-hmm. I've never truly lived my full potential before and now it's kind of like a rebirth and a new beginning from 2014 on and 
that was back in 2014. I barely started to write my books. So it's been five years since you've been actively doing actively doing something about becoming becoming healthier. Yes. Mentally, physically, all that. Everything. So now you're on uh, currently on medication, right? Yep. And what? How, how much of a difference would you say that, that makes on and off? It makes the big difference after you get used to medication. Because it's different for everybody. Not it everyone reacts Not everybody. Uh, to the medication the same. That's right. And at first, when I first got on it, I was having just like sleepwalking sometimes. I was, it wasn't feeling good. But now that I'm on it and I continuously take my medication, it's, I'm living a normal everyday life. For, for you personally, how long did it take for them to like tune your medications to the point where you can uh function three years three so three years yeah so people it's a it's like a it's a long journey it's people people think that you're just gonna go over there you're gonna no. get your pill you take it and then that's it that's why a lot of people give up yeah because they it's stop. such a long journey it's a long journey but you have to stick to the process you have to do it and I, if you want to get better if you want to live a healthy normal life and i feel like these are the details that people don't let you know about when you are going to, you know, get ready to seek help and all that. Yep. Because I feel like just a lot of that stuff is is, is uh, left out. Because in a way, like, it gets discouraging. But you got to be real with yourself and you got to be real with the person that you're, you know, trying to get through to. Especially speaking from experience. Oh, yeah. You want to make sure that you let them know, like, look, it's going to be more work than it was not getting better. You know what yep. I mean? It's going to be even harder. And that's... Normal, everyday people who don't suffer from mental illness or, I mean, everybody has some type of depression or sadness in their life, but even regular people, they want the end result of anything. They want to have it right then. They want to give it to them right then and there. They don't want to go through that process. They think it's just a magic pill. Yeah. And the process seems long and dreadful, but you know what? You have to. You can't just jump on top of the mountain. You have to climb the mountain. You have to climb it. And it's climbing that mountain. And as long as you don't stay parked in one place, which I did several times throughout my life, you don't stay parked. You just keep on climbing that mountain. That's a, that's a huge thing, especially for people with depression or mental illness. Being Remaining stationary is uh, dangerous. Very dangerous. It's dangerous because the more the longer you stay put, the more likely you are to fall back into your old ways. You, you constantly have to be moving forward and being active about it and as as tiring as it gets sometimes mm-hmm. you have to you have to see at least for me the bigger picture you know what i mean yeah. you have to realize what you're working towards and there's a lot of and what's the game from it there's a lot of situations it's the people you hang out with as well surroundings it's your surroundings it's how you're you know taking care of yourself and it's looking at all your personal environments yeah cuz for me i realized along the line somewhere that I didn't need the people that I was hanging around with. They weren't any good for my my uh my well being because the things that they were into weren't weren't uh benef- benefit they weren't benefiting me. They they were always in the I mean sure everyone goes to this like they all have that group of friends that want to party every weekend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're growing up in your like twenties. You know what I mean? Some you're people, having fun. Yeah you're having fun. <laughs> but for the ones that are going through something at that point in their life, that's not what they need. And it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of people, and it was hard for me to realize that I didn't need those people in my life. You know what I mean? I needed to segregate myself and work on myself versus me giving in and just trying to go out and have fun. You know what I mean? And uh, get drunk and do whatever, you know? For me, I didn't smoke or anything like that. Uh, drinking and cigarettes were always my vice. 
but that alone was enough to uh, send me in a downward spiral. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Especially drinking because it causes more depression. It gets you down. Yeah, it's a downer. It's a, de- it's a depressant, right? Yep. So that, realizing that, I had to, I had to wake up and see that, that all these, these people around me, were, uh, they weren't good for me. And that, I ha- so I had, I had to remove them. Oh, yeah, you have to. And that's what people don't realize is that you as an individual, you don't, honestly, you don't need anybody in your life because everybody's going to have an opinion Everybody's gonna well, want you or not want you to do something. Well, I think you just need the right people. The in right your life. people. You don't really need anybody. I think companionship but, is huge. Though. But surrounding yourself with the right people, the right tribe, that like-minded gonna, people, like-minded people that are gonna encourage you, lift you up, have compassion for you, and <laughs> trust you so that you could trust yourself. But it all starts with you. It starts with. The hardest thing that anybody could do is love themselves. But you have to love yourself before you love anybody. You have to because if you love yourself and you take care of yourself and all your environments within your internal self, then you could love somebody else. You could help others. And that's the key is digging in deep within inside of yourself and finding your, your, your grounding point and realizing that who you are in this world makes a difference. And everybody has a story that somebody else needs to hear. And that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. And, wh- and whether you like it or not, um, your presence and your well-being does directly affect the people around you. Oh, it does. So if you're, if you're, if you're being negative all the time and you're, you're constantly abusing yourself... That, that affects other people, They stress, especially the people who really, really care about you. They go through it, too, just as much as you do. And rightfully, the other way around. Yeah. If you're being positive and, and you're working on, me, on yourself and they're seeing that, they're saying to themselves, hey, I could do that, too. <clears throat> yeah, I, know, I noticed that because uh, I, I got into fitness really heavy. <clears throat> and just from me being so consistent with it and giving off that vibe of like, look, I'm actively doing something about this and trying to be as positive as I, I possibly can. Uh, my girlfriend, she she got into it just as much as I did. You know what I mean. So that started like uh, rubbing off on her, and now she so now she's she's becoming more positive because I decided to you know become more positive too, as well as the the people around me. You know what I mean. So the, it's almost like a mirror effect. Yeah, like and people see that, that and they can't. Res- yeah, see, but that's just I got lucky in that aspect as to where I I found somebody who's willing to uh, go through the journey with me. That's you know what I mean. The key. And willing to do the things that uh, it takes for me to get healthy. What you just said, somebody who's willing to go through the journey with you, and that's the key because it could, it, I mean, doesn't necessarily just have to be your girlfriend or anybody. Your significant other. It could be anybody. It could be your mom, it could be your dad, anybody. a cousin, and a school. You might even need to separate yourself from your mom and your dad or your cousin or your family. Most, most people do. They, uh, they uh, seclude themselves from their families because. They don't. They don't necessarily want them to see them in their true state because, at least for me, <coughs> excuse me, at least for me, uh, I feel like a lot of the times when I would go out to like family gatherings, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, mm-hmm. I was putting on a front most of those times because a lot of the, those times I'm feeling depressed, dude, and I don't even really want to be there. You know what I mean? So I'm having to constantly interact with people and put on this this mask of somebody who I'm not, and that drains a lot out of you. So you get to a point where you're just like, you know what? I'm just not going to even be around those situations. And why do people put on that mask? Because they're fear of judgment, fear of being judged by their family. And that's the thing. 
guilt, yeah. fear, all those things that come. And you know, there comes a time in your life to where you say, you know what, that's it. I'm not going to do that. I had situations on Facebook to where I had to just completely stop talking to family members because they wouldn't see my point. Yeah. You know, and I would explain it, explain it. And I finally said, you know what? No, you know, we're not, we're not the same. So, you know, what? I don't need you in my life. I mean, it sounds harsh, but that's what it has to come to because you know what you believe in and who you are. And if you don't resonate with somebody, then you need to separate yourself. And even if it is somebody that you deeply care about and they're not seeing your point of view or even, uh, you know, entertaining the idea of hearing you out, then you have to come to the realization that their opinion doesn't matter anymore. That's right. And you can't let it affect you. You just have to live your life the way you're going to live it, especially if you're going to want to get better. It doesn't mean they're wrong because they're right they're in, their own, in, their own, in their own right, they are right. And that's fine. But you, you have the choice whether or not to uh, argue with them. Yeah, and agree with their beliefs. Because yeah. we all have different beliefs, you know. And, and no matter what, in any argument, that other person's always right, but you're always right as well. Even though you don't see it the same, yeah. you're still right. But see, they are right too. And it's knowing that there's that difference and that that's that stuck belief within themselves and respecting that boundary and saying, hey, you know what? Let's separate. It, it, it just, it can't happen right now. We got to separate. But you have to find your tribe. Yeah, see, for me, like, I would always have, at least growing up, I would always have a different points of view and me and my father or mother we wouldn't really see eye to eye and uh through the years i mean to to now getting to this point i just got to a point where you know what even if we disagree on something or as pissed off as you may make me at a certain point in time maybe you know we're having lunch and you say something i don't necessarily agree with i made a conscious choice and uh a deal with myself to say you know what i'm not even gonna get mad at this anymore because i do love this person and I know he has his opinions, and I have mine, but it's still my choice to pick, choose my battles, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so now I don't even argue with them, you yeah. know what I mean? It's not worth it. It's not even worth it. It's not worth my energy anymore. And then you have some family members who want to keep pushing you yeah. and pushing that, and that's when you have to say stop. Yeah. And you have to be, even if they get pissed off at you, you have to turn around and say, hey, stop. I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to cause a little conflict. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that with you. Yeah. Let's let's talk about something else. And if they still continue, then you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not even going to talk to you. Yeah, respectfully decline their presence or their, right. their opinion or whatever it is. And just go on about your day. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. No. It doesn't. Because there's a lot of times where you blow things out of proportion. Especially me. I used to do that a lot. <laughs> and I realized that it was just creating so much more chaos in my life than I, already, than I needed. You know what I mean? I already had so much chaos in my life that was just adding to... The, uh, the the weight, you know what I mean? And you that wanted to argue had. more to prove your point. I wanted to prove my point, and that was my ego, you know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Yeah. That was my ego talking, but I had, to, I had to really take a step back and look at what I was doing and seeing that, you know what, we're just two different people. And I could still have you in my life, and we could still interact, and uh, I could we just... We don't have to agree. Yeah, we don't have to agree. We, we don't, it doesn't have to be like that. We don't always have to agree on everything, you know what And I mean? even though you separate yourself from people, it doesn't mean you don't love them. Yeah, it doesn't mean I don't love you. I just, I, just, I choose not to, to uh, play this game with you. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I don't want to, I don't care if I'm right or not. You know what I mean? I know what I'm feeling inside. That's right. And if you can't see it, that's fine. You know, I'll do my best to try and explain it without, you know, provoking conflict. 
But uh, if you don't understand me in the end, then that's not my problem because you're the one who's not understanding. Yeah. And if I don't understand you, it's actually my problem for not understanding you. So do what you got to do. Yeah. I got to do what I got to do and find the right people who are going to lift you up. That's why they say like minds attract to their kind. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me, I've always like gravitated towards people that uh, were interested in talking about the same thing that I was. You know what I mean? And but that's why we're sitting here right now. Yeah, well, that's where <laughs> we, we, we just had a connection that way as far as, like, the things we were able to talk about just came naturally. It wasn't really forced. I, I mean, I didn't have to uh, pretend like I was interested in what you were saying because it was just a natural interest that I had. So, um, that's and that's, at least for me, that's what, uh, that's what you want to do as far as your friends go. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You want, you want to look for that type of, uh, type of uh, aspect in someone. That you uh, naturally like gravitate towards. And honestly, I believe that it just... I believe the universe works in mysterious <clears> ways <throat> and those bright people come into your life. That's, a, right whole, that's a whole other topic. Know, right? uh, <laughs> that's something else we can get into. But uh, damn, dude, we, we've been going for... How long does that say? Like an hour, I think. So, um... If you want to wrap it up, we could wrap it up. That was a that was a pretty good uh, in depth conversation on just a, we're just this is the tip of the iceberg right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. We didn't really. I mean, we dove into it, but there's there's so much more. And to I'm, be said I'm just about the, the chilling topic. and like seeing how this goes because it's my very first time ever doing anything like this. Me, me as well. <laughs> but it's no different than us just having a, a conversation. Yeah. You know, like we always do. We're it, just recording it this time for. It started getting more comfortable towards the end though. I started feeling more like at ease. And yeah, and, we, and and like I said, we don't we don't have like a name for anything, for it right now. We're we're just gonna we're gonna put our heads together, see what we come up with. But we do have a message. We do have a message, and <laughs> and you know what? It's not always gonna be like this. No, sometimes no. we're so not we, we're not always gonna try and preach to you. Sometimes we're just gonna be shooting the shit and just talking about our our uh, our, our daily our daily voyages. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah. the day held for us, or if I got something on my chest, me and him will get in here and we'll talk about it. That's right. You know what I mean? So it's it's not always gonna be mental illness as the premise, but know that that is something that lives like within us and it's vibrant in our it's, lives. It's and, everyday life. Yeah, you know we're not gonna just look for topics just to talk about just because it's something there. But of course we will when it comes up. But <clears throat> we're gonna just talk about what we're living. And and for and for now at least it'll just be me and uh, Victor um, on the podcast for now. And uh, I think eventually though we can get people. And uh, who have gone through uh, different things with another point of view to offer. So uh, I guess that about wraps it up. Yep. So wherever you are.